Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Awesome. Well, it is it's good to, to be here. It is still strange to, to look out on the, the congregation and see all of these empty, empty seats. And we long for the, the day when we can, can be together. I think I, I say this every week, but I uh, read in, I think it was 1st or 2nd Thessalonians uh, again today, another letter uh, from, from Paul who is saying, I'm sending you this letter, but I long to be with you in person, right? And we're grateful for those letters that we have and we are still using but the, what his real desire was to be with people in, in person. And we're very, very grateful for Zoom and for Facebook Live and for these technologies. But man, we cannot wait uh, to be with you guys again. So today we are going to be looking at uh, Psalm 121 and, and trying to answer this question, right? How do we as Christ followers cope in difficult seasons uh, of life. And it was probably not going to be a, a surprise to you guys that we are in the midst of a pandemic. There is there's this coronavirus spreading all around, around the world. And most of us uh, have never experienced anything like this, right? This is brand new and it feels scary. Uh, it feels annoying sometimes. Uh, it feels uh, uncertain. You know, it feels difficult. Maybe some of us are starting to get angry, whatever. We have a bunch of different responses, but it's all to this reality of this difficulty uh, in this trouble, right? Many of you have lost income. Many are, are, that I know are fearful about getting sick. You know, we worry about what is the, the economic reality going to be on the other side of this crisis, you know, when is it going to end? You know, what, what is even happening, right? It just seems so bizarre. It's hard to, to, to really understand and come to grips with what is really going on as we are bombarded with all sorts of stories and from different perspectives. And just like, what is going on? Are we ever going to get back to normal? And while this situation is brand new for, for many of us, trouble and difficulty are not new. Right? This is not something new for anybody in the world. We, ha- we all, each of us had trouble before COVID-19, and we are all going to have trouble and difficulty afterwards. Right? So how do we as Christ followers, right, how do we cope in the midst of hard times? How do we uh, cope in the midst of the time of coronavirus? How do we hold on to faith and trust in the midst of difficulty. And if I can be honest, this has actually been a struggle for me, not in this current crisis of coronavirus, but in my past as a Christ follower, I've had some difficulties with just this idea of fatalism and does anything that we do or say really matter, right? Is, is God really going to protect me? Can God be trusted? Right? And we've all seen difficult things. And I remember when Amber's dad passed away, just praying that he would be healed. And when he wasn't and he, he passed away, I'm just like, God, why? Why wouldn't you 
protect me. And I've had to learn to, to practice trusting in God and, and what it is that he means when he says over and over again in Scripture that I am with you and that I will protect you and I will keep you safe. And that's what we see in this psalm. It, this psalm is going to show us why we can walk with hope, why we can walk with confidence through any and every situation. And the reason is that the Lord is with us in every step of every day. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. So let's read this psalm together, and then we're just going to, to work through some of, of the ideas found within it. David writes, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. I love this, this psalm and the, the words of protection and the, the words of, of, of closeness that we can experience God in, in that way. And, what we see here as we, as we look at the psalm is it is a, a song of ascents. And this is these uh, 10 or 12 psalms beginning with uh, Psalm 120 that were sung by pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem for one of the, the festivals that they would be celebrating there. And it, they would sing this psalm on their, their journey towards the city. And there was always danger, right? There was always uh, stuff that could go wrong on this trip uh, to Jerusalem. Maybe there would be bandits or, or robbers hiding in those hills, in those mountains. Or maybe you would, you know, step on a, on a rock and, and uh, twist your ankle, hurting yourself, right? Now, how am I going to get the rest of the way to Jerusalem. Maybe the, the heat of the sun would bear down on you. You would get sunstroke and exhaustion trying to, to make it there. Or what they call moonstroke. And this was this kind of ancient idea of you know, the, the moon having adverse effects on people. And today maybe we would call it anxiety or going crazy, right? So we, there's all these dangers in, in the midst of uh, this travel to Jerusalem. And what we see here is a declaration of trust, right? The Lord is always with me every step of the way. From my village all the way to Zion, God is with me, protecting me, and is for me. And so as we begin this psalm, the, the singer, the, the psalmist, is in trouble, right? Uh-oh, here comes trouble. Where, where can I go? What can I do for help out here in this wilderness? And he, he looks up and he, he sees the mountains. Right? And what do we 
think of when we see mountains. We think of strength and, and grandeur. It was like two years ago, I was in, um, in Japan with Cameron, Pastor Cameron and Pastor Scott from New Day, South Carolina. And I don't know if you can see this over the, the video, but I took a, a picture from the top of uh, Dennis, Dennis's church in, in Japan of, of Mount Fuji. Man, and it, is, and it is hundreds of miles away from my understanding. And it is so big and it is so awesome. You just look at these mountains and, and you just can, you just feels awesome and powerful and impressive and unmoving, right? And in ancient Israel, they wouldn't have had mountains like Mount Fuji here, but they would have had high places and mountains all around. Amber and I had the great pleasure of, of being in Israel last year, seeing the, the topography of uh, of Israel and the, the, these awesome mountains and, the, and, and, and all the, the lush greenness there during that time. And is in ancient Israel at those times, these mountains, these high places, which would have been all over the place, were often used for pagan rituals. There would have been shrines to maybe the sun god or the moon god. Um, they would have had, at these shrines, maybe there would have been sacred prostitutes, right, to make people feel better in the midst of their travels, right? You could go to one of these shrines to buy a, a charm that would protect you, or they, uh, a witch might uh, say something over you to, to keep you safe on your travels. And so we can imagine this Israelite pilgrim on his way to Jerusalem, coming into trouble, looking around and saying, all of the, the places in this world, in that world where he could find hope, maybe this God or that God, this shrine, you know, this thing or that. But the Israelite pilgrim remembers that his help doesn't come from the mountains. It doesn't come from anything on the mountains. It, his help comes from the one who made the mountains. His help comes from the Lord. Right, the maker of heaven and earth. That's so important. And I know that in my own life, there's, there's mountains that I put my trust in. And I bet there's mountains that you put your trust in. You know, I've put my trust in my bank account, in my job, making sure I have enough food in my pantry or in my new chest freezer. I'm tempted to put my trust in a political party, to put my trust in my marriage or my kids' behavior or the American dream, right? Whatever this is. And so what is it that you put your trust in? We can answer that question most easily because we all know the right answer, right? We all know, what do you put your trust in? I trust in God. God's going to see me through it. But where do we run when things are troublesome? When we think of getting prepared for this pandemic, what is it that we think is going to protect us? Right, these things can reveal our hearts. They reveal where we are putting our trust. They reveal the mountain that we're putting our trust in. But we need to look higher than the mountains. 
right? As, as Christ followers, we put our trust in the creator of the mountains. As we move along, the, the psalmist cries out again, right? He, talking about the Lord, the, the protector, he will not let my foot slip. He is not asleep, right? God is not asleep at the wheel, and as in response, it seems like much of the psalm is this call and response. As, as he cries out, he will not let my foot slip. He who watches over me will not slumber. And the, the response of those he's traveling with is indeed, or the, the word is translated elsewhere as behold. He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God is not asleep. He's not taking a nap, right? You don't have to try to get his attention. And other gods, especially gods during uh, this time in, in Israel, of the, in the surrounding nations, other gods were believed to be inattentive. They were, they were believed to be asleep. And we, we know of one god, Baal, and this is a, a picture of Elijah and the prophets of, of, of Baal. And we might remember that story from 1 Kings 18. And Baal uh, was thought to take these really long naps. And one of the jobs of the priest was to wake him up. Right? That was their job. And here is a, just a short passage uh, of, of this story from 1 Kings 18. So the, the priests of, of Baal took the bull given to them and they prepared it. They called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered, and they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought, or busy, or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Right? All of these practices to try to get the attention of their God. But our God never sleeps. He is always attentive. He is always attentive to you. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't abandoned you. And if something difficult, if something bad happens, it is not because he isn't paying attention. We see in a, another famous psalm, Psalm 23, verse 4, David writes, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It's not that God takes us out or away from the valley of the shadow of death, but we know that he is awake, attentive, and with us in the valley. And God showed his, close, his closeness most uh, clearly by sending Jesus Christ. All right, Emmanuel, God with us to this earth, to, to pay the penalty for our sins, to reveal the, the heart of God, to reveal the love of God. He is close, he is attentive, and he is meeting our every need. 
Verse 5 and 6 of the psalm speak of God's closeness even more. And, and six times throughout this psalm, the Lord is referred to in Hebrew as shamar, the one who keeps, the one who protects, the one who watches over. And this is not just a, a word for like some kind of voyeuristic watching, right? This is not God just watching a, a, a reality TV show, kind of saying, oh, what are these crazy guys going to come up with next, right? It's the, it's the exact same word that is used elsewhere for temple guards or night watchmen. He's attentive and ready to go into action. This little Hebrew word shamar, to, to watch, uh, it's the same word used in the uh, the ironic blessing from Numbers that we sang about last week. And it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord shamar you to keep you, to hold you close, to protect you. And this is the Lord, the, the creator of, of heaven and earth. The creator of the mountains, the sustainer of the galaxy. He is your watchman. He is my protector. He is the one keeping each and every one of us. We think of, I believe it was Paul, right, who said, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Why? Because Paul's a super strong fighter? No, because the Lord, Jesus Christ, is with him. Elsewhere, he says, you know, don't be scared of the, the person who can kill the body. Because they can't touch your soul. They can have no eternal influence over you. So this God, this watcher, this protector is close and he is personal. He cares about you. Right? We, we see that he is our shade in the burning sun, right? Imagine going to, to the beach, right? And it's so swelteringly hot. I can't wait to go to the beach again, right? And with other people on the beach. And, and it's hot. And so what do you do? You stick your, your umbrella in the sand and now you can enjoy the, the waves. You can enjoy the, the wind. And it's just beautiful, right? Because you have somebody protecting you or something protecting you from the heat, right? That is what God does. He protects us from the, the sun, from those things that would beat us down. We don't need to fear the, the terror of night. We don't need to be, fear being moonstruck, right? Because God is with us, and he's going to protect us, and he's going to see us through. And finally, in the last two verses, we, we see the, the Lord will keep you from all harm. And he will watch over your life. In the NASB, another translation says, The Lord will keep you from all evil. No, nothing evil, no harm can, can befall you. And it says, He will watch over your life here, or this, this little Hebrew word, nefesh, which can be translated life, but can also be translated as soul. Right? He will keep you from all evil, and he will keep your soul. Right? God is with us. It doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. 
We know that. We can see that. But it does mean that we have a well-armed life, that we are protected. No matter what comes, we can face it because God is with us. Eugene Peterson writes in a great book, I would encourage you guys to to read it. It's all about the Psalms of uh, Ascent, and Psalm 121 is one of those, as we said. It's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And he says, The promise of the psalm, and both Hebrews and Christians have always read it this way, is not that we shall never stub our toes, but that no injury No illness, no accident, no distress will ever have evil power over us. That is, nothing will be able to separate us from God's purposes in us. God has purposes for us in nothing. Neither sword, nor famine, nor shipwreck, nor disease, nor loss, or life, or death. Nothing is going to separate us from the will of God to to know him, to, to know his love. His will is that we would be witness bearers of, of the gospel, of the good news, that Jesus is alive, and that through him we can have new life. We know that his will is that we step into eternal life, now and forever. There's good news, friends. No trouble can keep us from the purposes of God in our life. He is going to see us through. I want to read a a little bit longer section of Scripture from Paul in, in Romans. And he says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Right? That is what God plans to give us. That's what he is giving us. He's giving us all things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. No one condemns because Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is such good news. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Right? And I bet that you are just like me and that what we want this psalm to mean is that if I trust God, 
If I love him well enough, right, if I do all the right things, then I won't have any troubles. No bandits in my life, no sickness, no disease, no anxiety, none of this, right? I am covered in the blood. But it can't be the right interpretation. Right? We don't see any lives in the entire biblical story, in all of Scripture. We don't see any, re, uh, any uh, people that we know right, that are removed from the trials and the difficulties of life. Right? Jesus himself promised us, in this world you will have troubles. And we see in the, the life of our Savior that his life was marked with pain and with misunderstanding and persecution, martyrdom, and even death. But death could not hold Jesus. Right? He is alive, and because Jesus is alive, we get to be alive too as we bend our knee to him. And so what do we do with this, this psalm, right? Is it just a, a fairy tale? This kind of story that tries to make us feel better and kind of to, to turn a, a blind eye to reality? No. The psalm is a declaration that God is faithful. He is faithful, and though difficulty and trouble may come, Nothing in this world can keep us from the purposes of God in our lives. To know him, to know his love, to be with him for eternity, and to bear witness of him with our lives. It's sometimes easy to forget in our modern culture, in our fast-paced American life where this world is so important. The reality is the biblical story shows that there is more to life than what we see. There is this temporal life, the, the here and now, right? And we love the here and now, right? We're, we talked uh, at the beginning of service about many people are going to be grilling burgers today, right? And we're going to hopefully gather with some of our family today. Right? And we look forward to, to gathering as a church community again someday soon. Right? We enjoy going for walks on a beautiful day like this. We enjoy our, our spouse. We enjoy our children. There's so much in this world to enjoy. We love it. But we know that that's not everything. There is also an eternal world. There is an eternal life. And we cannot, we dare not put all of our eggs in the here and now basket. Because it is just a blip on the radar. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. We are of all people most to be pitied. We have an eternal life in the presence of God where there will be no tear, no sickness, no pain, no sin, no death. Right? That is our hope. And so does God ever protect us? 
Yeah, he does, right? And he protects us in, in ways that we don't even see, right? And in ways we do see, right? We, we, we read these stories of like Daniel in, in the lion's den. God protected Daniel from certain death. We see how God protected Jonah or Rahab, kept the, the Israelites from being killed by all these nations that wanted to destroy them. We see God sending an angel to release Peter from prison, Right? We, we've all heard stories of maybe somebody having their blind eyes opened or a lame person that is able to walk or this miraculous uh, uh, healing from, from cancer. You know, God does do that stuff. He does protect us. Right? I know that as I look back on my ad- adult life, I can see how God has been with me and guided me and protected me and gotten me through and around dangers and troubles all through it. But we have to recognize that there is a tension here, right? We don't get to decide what God's protection, what God's faithfulness will look like. But we can trust that he is with us and he's for us and that both today and forevermore he is watching us and his purposes will be fulfilled. So, in conclusion, what do we do with this, right? What do we do with this understanding, hopefully a greater understanding, maybe even a deeper appreciation for, the, for this psalm? But what are you going to do with it? How are you going to put this into practice today? And like I said, I was one who had a difficult time trusting in God. I knew he was good, but I had a hard time trusting him, and I had to put my trust into practice. And so I encourage you to do these two things. First, repent of misplaced trust. We asked that question earlier in the sermon. What are you trusting? Where do you go when things get difficult? What are you putting your hope in? And if, any, if there's anything that is competing for the place of God in your heart or in your mind, repent of that. And put your trust in Jesus. And then I encourage you, for the next seven days, today through next Sunday, ground yourself with this first two verses as a a breath prayer. And so how a breath prayer works is very, very simple. You just breathe in and say verse 1. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? (sighs) Breathe out. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It's easier to to breathe in and and say that without saying it out loud, but it would be hard to convey via video. So we breathe in, lift up your eyes to the mountains, where does my help come from? We breathe out, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And I believe that in in one week, as we practice this prayer in the morning, you can practice it whenever you're feeling stressed or worried or doubtful or mad. It doesn't take much time, but it grounds us in, in the practice of putting our trust, not in the mountains, but in the God who created the mountains. And we'll see how that changes our perspective. Would you join me as we close in prayer? Father God, we love you. 
Lord, we thank you that you are our protector. You are the one who watches. You are the one who cares for us. And because you are watching, because you are protecting, no evil can befall our souls. Lord, help us to to live with an eternal perspective, knowing that our hope is not in this life, but is in the one to come. But Lord, help us to hold this intention. We love this life. We love our our friends and families and, and what we get to do, Lord. But we look forward to the restoration of all things, the fullness of your kingdom. Lord, help us, those who are struggling to trust you, those who are worried and fearful and doubting in the midst of this COVID-19. Lord, I pray that you would come and be a very present help. Lord, that you would surround them with your grace and with your mercy. And Lord, help us to bear witness of you as we walk in confidence, knowing that you are with us in every step, every day. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us online. If you have any prayer requests, if you have anything that you, uh, uh, any praise reports, you can send those to vprayer at newdaycommunity.org. If you want to talk to me, I would love to talk to you. I thank you, those folks who have reached out and just have, uh, you know, we've been able to pray through some stuff together. It's been really, really good. And I encourage you, you can reach out to me, mark at newdaycommunity.org. And uh, with that, I bless you. Have a fantastic day, and we will see you next week.